This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 59 of the In-Between Podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina Im. Dun-dun-dun. Oh, dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Or dot-dot-dot. Yeah, dun-dun-dun. Well, today, yes, that sound effect is because we are going to be talking about in-laws once again. Yes. So we are talking about learning to love your in-laws this week as a follow-up to one of our most downloaded episodes called How to Not Hate Your In-Laws. We are going way back into the time vault. Episode three. (laughs) Yes. Episode three, which is honestly one of our most downloaded ones, probably because... It hits a nerve. (laughs) It really does. If you're married, you most likely have in-laws. And I think all of us have probably at least one or two stories that we can all think about when we hear the word in-laws. And I'm sure a lot of them are positive. And then there's some that you're like, I don't really get why they do this. (laughs) Yes, precisely. And especially if if you've married cross-culturally. And your spouse is of a different ethnicity as you. And mm-hmm. not only ethnicity, but subculture, socioeconomic differences as exactly. well uh, make a huge difference as, you know, in, in terms of conflict. Right. But- well, even thinking, I mean, we live in the States right now. And even like the Southerners will talk about like the Northerners, like they are a bajillion miles oh, away. Yeah, completely. So even that subculture, I'm sure bringing two families together and the way you say something would be like, oh, we don't say it like that. Or I know here, sometimes there's a lot of passive aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand that culture, you may just say it like it is and it comes too straightforward and then people are offended and so on and so forth. Yeah. So like yeah. that's never happened to me. <laughs> Talk about everybody else from the north. But yeah, it's, <laughs> no, it's funny. happened to me. <laughs> it's funny. I remember talking to this one pastor who who he's from Mississippi and he basically was saying how there's a lot of similarities between Asian culture and southern Mississippian Mississippian? I don't know. Yeah, Mississippi I think culture. That that. Really? Yeah, yeah. In terms of the shame and in terms of just there's just a few things that we had begun talking about and I was like, Oh wow, that's fascinating. We got to do a deeper dive on that. Yeah. So if you have not checked out episode three yet, we highly encourage you to do that. We discuss why the relationship with your in-laws matter, because I know some of us have that temptation just to cut it off and be like, who cares? I'm going to do my life and you do yours. We talk about the four questions to help improve your relationship with your in-laws. We also discuss what you can do if you have a strained relationship and, and how our current in-law relationships can affect our future relationships with our children. It's not just one generation, right? right? The way and your children are a lot better at observing than they are at interpreting. So when you think about that, the way that you are interacting with your parents or your in-laws, mm-hmm. your kids are watching. Yes. I mean, memories They're are being formed. Yeah. Yes, completely. So that's why dealing with your in-laws and, and we're not saying that by the end of episode three or the end of this one that you're going to, 
you know, everything's going to be hunky dory and all things are going to be great between your in-laws. No, but one day at a time, you can learn how to love your in-laws first by not hating them. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's Episode a good start. Three. Very yes. good start. But then learning <laughs> how to love your in-laws. So since that first episode dropped, we have heard many stories and questions pop up from y'all. And first, we just want to say that we so appreciate that you trust us enough to share your lies with us because there are a lot of stories and a lot of questions that broke our hearts because we know firsthand how painful it feels to be rejected or unheard, mm. frustrated disrespected by people who you think should love you for who you are and who are really an extension of your own family. Yeah. So we knew that we wanted to further this discussion about in-laws because what we can learn from these questions will actually affect our everyday right. lives and not just our relationship with our in-laws who you might see on a weekly basis or uh, for for us, you know, we're seeing maybe once or twice a year because we don't live in the same city as them. So we wanted to share with you some of the questions we've received just to give you a taste of why we wanted to put this episode together. So first question, how do you make it appear like you're listening and super engaged, but not really at all? <laughs> <laughs> joke, joke, joke. No, but really, how do you get them to not give treats like every three minutes? Treats? Like sweets? Yeah, okay, like yeah. sugar and candy and cookies and everything. My son left our in-laws so addicted to sugar. It's taken us months to break this habit. Mm. Another question that we received was, how do I get them to respect our parenting choices? without judging them and mom shaming. Oh, that's a good one. And number three, since we have a lot of experience with this, we wanted to read this one out. Should it be your spouse's responsibility to confront your in-laws on issues or yours? I always felt like the spouse should take care of that, but sometimes they just don't understand or will not allow the issues to continue and not take it seriously because it's their own parent. When is it appropriate to step in? Wow. Amazing questions, Amazing. right? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, no kidding. So while I was compiling all these questions, literally more than like 30 or 35 have come up, a common theme appeared. You know what it is, Daniel? What was it? Boundaries. Mm. So I think many people were really feeling like their boundaries were being crossed. Makes sense. Unheard or disrespected. Yeah. And the resounding factor was... I don't know how to set boundaries with my in-laws. Well, yeah, because that can be pretty awkward, right? It's like, hi, I just married your daughter or I just married your son and here are my boundaries. You're in a contract. Do you agree with them or not? Yeah, sign on <laughs> right? the dotted line, say I do. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not even like you know what that, is, what that even is going to be when you get married. Completely. Right? It's very organic and it shifts and it shapes as you go along in the years and depending on your background, your spouse's background, where you live, culture, culture like we mentioned earlier. So yeah, I mean, this makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first, let's actually talk about what are boundaries because it's not like we can actually build a physical fence around our family to keep everyone out. <laughs> Though <laughs> I'm sure some people might want to. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not the white picket fence to surround no, the gorgeous no. house. It's the stay out of here Yes. Fence. Yeah, like the walls that surround the American Embassy in Ottawa. Right, and yeah. then they have like the yes. barbed wire like on exactly. top. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. The electrical like shock if you touch it. Yeah, no, those, those are not the boundaries we're talking about. <laughs> so we love how Dr. Henry Cloud... 
uh, in his book Boundaries, how he explains what boundaries are. You know, when to say yes, when to say no, how to take control of your life. So we'll link all of that, including everything that we are talking about in the show notes at inbetween.org slash episode 59. So what are boundaries? Well, boundaries are what define us. They define what is me and what is not me. Hmm. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins. Boundaries also help us define what we are not responsible for. We are not supposed to have control over others, although I know for myself that I really spend a lot of time and energy trying to control other people if I am not in a healthy state. Yeah, I mean, that's insecurity. Completely. And it's not even sometimes like I'm saying stuff to them, like in my head, I'm imagining all the things that I would say or do if I had, you know, the... I don't even want to say confidence because it's all these things are are negative. But if I had maybe the rudeness or the audacity <laughs> to do it, I don't know. Yeah. But the, the lack of emotional intelligence. Too. Yes, 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 that would be it. Or I just let my anger speak a lot more than my mm. self-control. Those are the things that would happen. Yeah. So it sounds like there's quite a difference between creating boundaries and just putting up walls. Yeah, totally. So I think putting up walls are to keep people out and to keep me safe. That's how Mm, I see it. They are created more out of fear and hurt than wanting to create and maintain a healthy relationship. Uh, But in reality, do they benefit anyone, do you think? The wall? Yeah. Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) This is very interesting how we're talking about walls. Yes. (laughs) Yep. No double meaning here. No. (laughs) This is not a political podcast. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh. So I remember, Daniel, a few years ago, I don't exactly know what the circumstances were, but I was frustrated with how I felt every time we would come back from seeing your family. To the point where, do you remember, I was basically saying, well, if you want to go, go. I'm not coming with you. You go and take the kids to Vancouver and I'll stay here by myself. Yeah, it was a couple months before we hadn't booked our tickets yet or something. It was a couple Christmases ago. Uh And we were talking about when we were going to go and all that. And I don't even know how it came up or how it even bubbled to the surface because we hadn't seen our family in quite a bit. But I remember, I remember exactly we were in our bedroom, in our, in our bathroom, and it's just kind of, that's when it all started. <laughs> right. And so I basically wanted to put this ultimatum out. It's like either we all stay here or if you, for Christmas, or if you want to go take the kids and I'll stay here because this is going to be what I call a vacation. Mm. When we go see your family, this is before things have definitely changed. But when we went to go see your family before, I felt like I was always at work. Mm. And I was like, well, this is vacation for me, but I don't feel like I'm on vacation. So I'd rather just stay home in a quiet house. Yeah. (laughs) Not expecting, not having expectations put upon me. And I'll think it'll be like the most relaxing time. Mm, yeah, yeah. When you think about it, it was there's probably a lot of stress in our lives. We probably had a ton of stuff going on as well. And like you said, things have gotten a lot better yes. with my family and you. And it's not like it was ever really that bad. No. It was just the idea of, hey, we're going for Christmas vacation. I'm using up my vacation. But you just did not feel relaxed after coming back from Vancouver. I didn't. Yeah. So in your approach during that moment with your in-laws, 
right? That was a wall that you put up. Yes, not a boundary. So nothing in the fact that I was trying to make you help me stay here was working on building a healthier relationship either with the in-laws or with you, right? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even about finding the solution or trying to identify why or what could change. It, it was nothing like that. It was just you put up the wall and you're like, I'm not going. Exactly. And I think it was easier for me to say that and basically shut that side off so that I wouldn't have to do any self-reflection about, well, wait a minute, why do I feel like this? Or ask myself, why is it that I actually don't want to go visit my husband's family? Hmm. So Christina, in and through all of this, how do you know if you have a boundary problem? Well, I think a good sign of having a boundary problem is when your relationship with one person has the power to affect your relationship with others. Hmm. So the way I was feeling about visiting your parents was really starting to affect our relationship, right? Yeah. And the way that you saw that and the way that you saw this entire relationship, in a sense, maybe you were giving them a lot more power in your life without you or even them realizing it. Oh, completely. And I think if I had just stuck to my guns and no longer went to see your family or that you were like, okay, sure, whatever, I don't care. You do what you want to do and I'll do what I want to do. I would have never had the opportunity to come to terms with the fact that I didn't actually know how to set healthy boundaries. So Daniel, you really helped me in this area because while I know you obviously wanted me to come to Vancouver... You really took the time to listen and try to understand why I was saying what I was saying. I'm going to tell you right now, truthfully, this episode would be a completely different story if you had just lashed out and said like, well, you have to come. You don't have a choice. What are my parents going to say? What is my family going to think if you don't come? Like, I'm going to be so embarrassed. It's what I thought, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, praise God, you kept your mouth shut. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Or what if you had just said, okay, fine. Uh, just stay here. Yeah. I mean, I went there in my head because you were really, really upset and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I mean, we've talked about conflict as well on the podcast and it was, it was a long night that we had there. And honestly, I was like, it got to the point where both of us are Enneagram threes and in our stressful moments, we go to nine. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and which is the peacemaker, but, but you know, at its worst, we just kind of relent and give up and we just go, you know, hide in a corner and it's just, okay, like just fine, you know, do, whatever yeah, you want, do whatever you want. But that's not actually what we mean. No, completely, completely. And that was your attitude, right? It was your attitude where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, just do whatever you want. I'm not going, I've made up my mind, do whatever you want, go tell them whatever you want. So in my mind, I was like, you know, I'd learned that that wasn't actually do whatever you want, <laughs> but I had, you know, in my mind, I was like, so what am I going to say? What excuse? Because I didn't want to tell them the truth. I and mean, neither it, did you really want to lie to your parents no, either. No, no. So that's yeah. a sticky situation for sure. Yeah. So how did we come to terms with that? Because long story short, I did end up going to Vancouver and it wasn't because I felt coerced by you and it wasn't because I felt guilted to go into. <sighs> I wish I could have said that you know, I gave you something or there was some sort of magical word or, you know, that we had sex and everything was all good. But, you know, <laughs> you none laid of that hands happened. on me in yes. fellowship. <laughs> yeah. No, none of that. None of that happened. I didn't. I honestly didn't know what to do. So I prayed. Right. And I prayed that God would reveal to me what 
I'm supposed to say and how I'm supposed to approach this, that God would reveal to you what's going on as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the Bible, it talks a lot about, you know, seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. And there's this concept righteousness that just keeps up, keeps on coming up over and over and over again. But when you look at the root word of what righteousness means, it means right relationships. With hell. Right. So right relationships with God and also mm-hmm. right relationships with others. Okay. It's vertical and it's horizontal. Right. It even talks about in the Bible if you if you are if you want to come and worship God, well, you need to make sure that your horizontal relationships are right first. Mm-hmm. Right. And that doesn't mean that you don't come and approach God, but it means I mean, it really is talking about the importance of our horizontal relationships with other people. So I knew that even in that moment, it was like, okay, this is not of God for you to have a a, a wrecked relationship with my parents. Right. And I know that's not what my parents want either. Right. Because they love you so much. They really do. But so so there's just a lot of misinterpretation. There's just a lot of stuff flying in the air that I was like, okay, I don't know how we're going to solve this. Mm hmm. But I think I said something where we're like, okay, you know what? Let's just, let's not, we don't, we're tired. It's late. I think it was past midnight at this time. And we're like, you know, let's just go to bed. Uh, Let's continue this conversation later. And I I don't know how long it took, but it did take quite a bit of time. And you came to the point where I think we apologized to each other. And, you know, we came to terms with, okay, what, what, what does it look like to actually go not in a reactive posture, but in Mm -hmm. a proactive posture what does it look like for us to also feel refreshed and have a vacation? Right. Right. So for example, this past, so this wasn't this past Christmas. This was. Yeah. I think it's like three Christmases ago that we had this heated discussion. Yeah. And we've learned a lot since then. Right. Even in me, us visiting your parents and, mm-hmm. and this last Christmas when we visited my parents again, we were like, okay, you know what? We want to, you know, we, we want to spend as much time as we can up in Vancouver because we don't get to see, you know, the kids don't get to see their cousins that often and all that stuff. So, so what we basically did was we left early and we spent a couple days in Seattle, just our family, Mm -hmm. just to have a fun time exploring, discovering, which I think in previous years, we would have just stayed until, you know, the The very last minute we needed to go. Exactly. Yes. And we also had discussions for ourselves of what does it look like to engage with the family, the extended family, but also what does it mean for us to rest? Because we were in a really, really busy time as well, trying to just to finish all of our loose ends before we went. Oh, completely. And so we had this discussion about how I really needed to work out at least four times a week to feel like myself and to be in a healthy mental state. Yeah, completely. Right. I mean, that's hashtag adulting, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we, we took a proactive approach and we were like, okay, here is what boundaries look like. We know how awkward it be. It would be how devastating it would be, how, how how much it would it would negatively affect all the relationships if you hadn't come and if you never saw my parents again it's, yeah. and it's not because you didn't like them you love them as well but it was just mm-hmm. other things going on so we knew all that and instead of just stonewalling building a wall mm-hmm. we learned how to build boundaries and it's been neat to see the positive effect of that going forward Yes, and I remember, Daniel, that we have had many discussions about what it means to be Team M yeah. for our team, not Team M for 
all of the M's. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, especially with us both being Asian, there's a huge, huge focus on family. There's a huge focus on respect, family. Uh, what do you what do you call it? Saving face. This whole idea of it's not just me marrying you and us just go and live in our lives. It's our families marrying each other's families, right? You marrying into mine. I'm marrying into yours regardless. So when you think about it like that, we first encountered this when we were engaged and we were trying to figure out where does the whole leaving and cleaving principle begin and where does it end? So for those of you who are unfamiliar with those words in Genesis chapter two, so this is at the beginning of the Bible, uh, you know, very first book, books in the second chapter, it says this, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. So that's a fascinating verse that later on it's repeated in the New Testament as well. And it talk, there's a little bit more elaboration there. But, but basically this talks about the whole idea of when a man and wife get married, right? They are leaving their parents. And when they get married, they actually become one and they're cleaving to one another, right? And, and we, we don't need to go into the background too much of this verse and, and what it actually means. But as we were trying to interpret that and, and try to understand, we were like, okay, when we got engaged, was that us leaving our parents? Was that me leaving my parents and us cleaving together? Not really. I mean, did engagement exist in the Bible or, <laughs> well, you know, was there this proposal thing? Like, right. the, you know, I mean, yeah. Did she get a rose or yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So in the end, we really came to understand after much study and, and talking with others that, no, this is, this happens, the, the, the leaving and the cleaving happens when marriage happens. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. So when you think about it from that perspective, right, and you think about the idea of leaving, which is like loosening or, or relinquishing or, or moving away, and then you move toward cleaving with another person, especially in an Asian context. I'm not, I'm not downplaying in other cultures, mm -hmm. but for us, we know the Asian context. I mean, it is it is huge. Oh, it is interweb through generations. Yeah, and then on the Korean side of it, if you watch any Korean drama, which if you've never watched a Korean drama, they're great, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> yes, they know how to sure. do storytelling really yes. well. Uh, in every Korean drama, there's always a conflict between mother-in-law and uh, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, mm -hmm. or I don't know, is it just mother and daughter-in-law? 
something like that, right? Like you and my mom. Right. Basically that relationship that it generation after generation, there's always this sense. I mean, even for you, Christina, think about Macarios marrying someone else. Oh, I mean, God. how difficult would that be for you? <sighs> for him to leave you, for him not to call you every day, for for you to call him and him not call you back in days. Let's just stop. Yeah. <laughs> It's right, hurting my heart yes, already. it is, and that's good. It's it's good because he has not left us. Right, right. We we are in charge. We are responsible. We are stewarding our children. We are caring for our children. They're still ours, but but one day there's going to be a leaving, and then there's going to be a cleaving mm-hmm. to another. Now, in order for marriage to work, there really does need to be a loosening of ties. With your parents. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying cut them off. I'm not saying, you know, don't talk to them anymore. Or we're not move saying that they can never or, help you. No, no, like, not at all. You know, if they want to give you some money to help with, you know, paying your rent, it's yeah. not like, oh, we've cleaved to each other. Yeah, we've we left. left yeah, so no, not at all. Keeps your dirty money to yourself. No. <laughs> No, if you want to give us money, we're good with that, right? So part of it is is the healthy boundaries that you're setting and the importance of that. And for guys, especially learning how to rise up and be responsible for your family, right? Which is especially important in this in this generation where boys are becoming adolescents, you know, they're becoming teenagers, they're becoming young adults. And instead of going from young adulthood to adulthood, they're becoming dudes. Mm-hmm. And there's just this long period of dudeness. <laughs> dudeness. <laughs> yeah, dudeness where, oh, you know. Oh, I think of Cheerios <laughs> and, or like think of Cheetos and sitting on a couch. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can think yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, I mean, that is a, that is, that is what happens a lot of time in our culture. So what does it look like for you to leave and for you to cleave and to set that relationship and and bring about that relationship anew? Well, Daniel, if I have not said it enough, I am so thankful for the work that we did when we were engaged to try to look into this and see what does it mean to continue to loosen the ties of your family and my family and to join together and become our own family. Because really... A lot of marriages fail because one partner fails to set clear boundaries with their family of origin and the spouse and children get leftovers. I've seen it many times even in my own extended family where the spouse and the children kind of feel left hung to dry. Yeah. So clear example of leaving and cleaving is always agree and side with your spouse, even if your spouse is wrong. (laughs) Always agree, especially if you're in front of your parents or the Mm in-laws. Even if you disagree, you have to side with your spouse and then work it out later. Right. The worst thing that you can do in front of your parents or your in-laws is go on their side rather than your spouse's side. Completely. And that also means that if you had a fight with your spouse... Maybe it's not the best idea to go run to your mommy and to call and be like, you know, do you know what he did this time? He said blah, 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 blah. Because let's be honest, we know we are parents and we will most likely take the side of our own children. Of course. Especially if they're sharing the story from their own point of view. And we don't want as parents to come in and be like a division being like, well, you're right and he's wrong. So you go tell him blah, 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 blah. That's not healthy. Oh, yeah. And how often do we share with our friends or our family or whoever the conflict side of things, but we don't talk to them about the resolution? Exactly. Right. So, I mean, in in and through all that, it's just not a good idea to work through conflict about your spouse 
to your parents without or with your, yes exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly all right so we've talked a lot about that we've talked a lot about boundaries but really how do we set them on this episode, we're going to begin and give you some points about setting boundaries. But on episode 60, next week, we're going to be doing a part two and we're going to finish off this list. So let's start number one, which is identify the symptom. So we need to look at our own life situation and see where the boundary problems actually exist with our in-laws. So the basic question we can ask ourselves is, where have I lost control of my property? Property? What do you mean property? Yes. Do you remember we talked about boundaries and that's basically saying what is mine and what is not mine? Yes. Okay. What can I control and what can I not control? So I can control what I say, what I feel, but I cannot control what another person says or feels. Okay. So emotional properties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So in the examples that we heard in the beginning, a lot of tension revolved around our children yeah. or, you know, our in-laws grandchildren. So let's say, for example, that we have a no candy before bed rule. So the kids, they are allowed candy maybe up to five o'clock and then right before bed. No, or we've said no because they have lots of sugar issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, the in-laws come in and we have told them like, you know, it's not a great idea maybe to to give our kids candy after dinner before bed. And what happens? They, they give, give candy. Yeah, because yeah, they're grandparents. <laughs> yes, grandparents yes. are supposed to say yes. Yes, and they're supposed to spoil <laughs> the kids and all of that, right? Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, yes. So you end up uh, being frustrated, hmm. saying nothing, getting the kids to bed, even though they're riled up all in sugar. You are fuming and you don't feel like... And you don't feel like putting up a, a huffle kafuffle with your in-laws. And so you chew out your in-laws to your spouse about how you always feel disrespected and unheard and not important. Yeah. Now, this step is huge, right? Because the next one is identify the conflict, right? That's number two. But before you identify the conflict, the symptom, identifying the symptom is so big because it actually separates the issue from the person. Mm, that's good. So instead of just saying... Oh, I hate my in-laws. I can't believe they would do this. They are, you know, they, they, they always do things like this, like this. And, and then you just kind of go off and you just feel this generic, you know, hatred growing or disrespect growing with your in-laws. In reality, it's not, you, you just, you kind of overemphasize the bad and you're underemphasizing all the great times that you've had together. Mm -hmm. So by identifying the symptom I mean, that's that's the first and foremost step that we need to do in order to create boundaries. But once we do that, we then need to identify the conflict. Mm, this is a difficult one because it turns the mirror on us. It asks us to examine ourselves first. So Dr. Henry Cloud mentions that we cannot stop acting out of a dynamic until we understand what we are doing and what role we are playing in this conflict. Oh, that's so good. And it kind of hurts, right? Well, because every <laughs> conflict, I mean, we say this to our kids. Mm -hmm. We're like, hey, when when you come to me and you are tattling on your sibling and you are saying, oh, they did this. I can't believe they did this. Or they're crying. Or like, okay, I understand. You hear them out. And then you have to ask them. And this is what we do with our kids. We're like, well, what did you do to contribute to this yeah, situation? What is your role yeah. in this conflict? And sometimes it is 90%, 95% one person. 
but most of the time someone's did something you know both have done something that have led to this conflict Mm -hmm. so we need to see ourselves as the problem and find our our boundary violations then after that we are able to see clearly and to deal with family members yeah the big thing in this too is not to go the complete opposite and say everything is your own fault Right. And, and to say it's it's completely your fault. Now, mm-hmm. you have to recognize what your fault was and what possibly maybe you didn't communicate to your in-laws ever about your candy rule. Yeah. Maybe you just said it to the kids. Right. And I mean, obviously, the kids aren't going to say, oh, mommy, and I said no candy. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, or maybe they said something and the parent grandparents are like, oh, it's OK. It's OK. You know, we're just visiting you. You're fine. So maybe the in-laws just didn't even know. Right. So we have to think about our role, but also not completely blame ourselves, especially if it's something that's happening over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I love what you were saying, Daniel, about maybe you didn't communicate it clearly or maybe you just said it in your head or tried to do it passively. Mm. And maybe the in-laws just didn't really get it. So we need to remember that none of us are mind readers, though I wish we all were. Mm. Actually, maybe yeah. maybe that's a good thing that we're not mind readers when it comes to in-laws, right? It's true, it's, especially in the South. Yes, you know, like... bless your heart. <laughs> okay, Daniel, so what's number three? Well, it's about identifying the need that drives the conflict. So this is an interesting point, right? Because the first step in setting a boundary is identifying the symptom, mm-hmm. right? Number two is identifying the conflict. So once you have the symptom... And you have the conflict, you then, number three, need to identify the need that drives the conflict. Hmm, Fascinating. So the truth of the matter is that we don't act in inappropriate ways for no reason. Right? Your your grandparents aren't giving the kids candy for no reason. They're like, oh, or or they're not trying to do it in spite of you or like, oh, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to make them. I want to make her like yeah. emoji brain blow <laughs> exactly so we're gonna give candy to them so that they i mean that's that's where our twisted minds will sometimes go yep and we're like oh they hate me so much that they're probably doing this so that this, 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 this you is just, it's a bad candy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah completely right it just goes down a bad rabbit trail so when you think about identifying the need that drives the conflict um oftentimes we're trying to meet some underlying need that our own family of origin didn't meet. Whoa. That's deep. So maybe we are still entangled because of our need to be loved or approved of or accepted. Yes. So, I mean, in my in the book that I just finished up, I mean, Woo-hoo! hallelujah. Yeah. First <laughs> draft is done. <laughs> and you still, there's still, you know, a ton more edits that are going to be happening with my publisher. But one of the chapters in the book is about this lie that you are who you raise, hmm. right? And it's fascinating, right? Because I use Tiger Woods as the as the example. And, you know, we know Tiger Woods is one of the greatest golfer of all times. Right? But his dad, Earl Woods, actually, you know, it's this is what it was, right? Earl Woods never lived up to his dad's dreams for him to be a professional athlete. Okay. Right? That was his dad's dying wish for Earl that he would be a professional athlete and Mm -hmm. Earl tried but he couldn't make it he he did college baseball but he never made it to the pros Mm -hmm. so you see him having Tiger late in his life 
having discovered golf late in his life as well, partnered all together saying, you know, if I ever have a kid, I'm going to teach him golf. And you see him driving his kid, trying to live out this, this need to be accepted, this hmm. need to be loved through his son, Tiger. Right. And then, I mean, obviously it just keeps on going and going and going. Right. Right. And we don't have time to go through all this on the podcast now. But I mean, I just I just feel like that's such a huge and, and stark illustration to show us that, yeah, a lot of times we will do things because of some underlying reason that's driving us. Mm-hmm. So this realization really gave me an aha moment as well. And that shaped and changed the way I see my relationship with my in-laws. Hmm. So so we talked about it on previous podcasts, but we're starting to do some Enneagram work in ourselves and learn more about it. And we've taken some quizzes and read books. Mm. And so we both realized, like you mentioned before, Daniel, that we are Enneagram threes Mm -hmm. and that's the achiever. Now I am actually, I have a wing two, which is all about belonging. And I really want to love and be loved. And I need really that approval from others. So through learning more about my core motivations, I realized that I was putting up walls Hmm. that remember Daniel, I would always tell you, like, I don't feel like I can be myself. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I can be in my own skin. When I see your family, it's almost like I explained it like an out of body experience where I would be seeing myself like sitting on the couch and being like, who is this person? Hmm. And so it all came down to, really feeling like I couldn't truly express how I felt because I was longing for approval from my in-laws. I felt like I needed to achieve. So my Enneagram three coming out as winning them over, getting them to like me. But because I didn't feel like I could actually attain this goal, I pulled away and I pushed them away for many years. See, that's fascinating, right? Because for you and your family, you were accepted. You were, I mean, you were the beloved girl the on be your all side and end all. Yes. Yeah. to your grandparents to others i mean it was like you were i mean you were the golden girl you were the gold it was like the golden <laughs> girl married the golden boy <laughs> yeah, what's gonna exactly. happen on both sides of the family <laughs> we're gonna melt <laughs> <laughs> right so you always having been accepted having experienced acceptance not never really having to work for it or not knowing what that not what that didn't feel like yeah. coming over to my side of the family it was like there's nothing that you could ever do to make anyone else happy because there's always that tension. Right. That's there's how always I felt. The, yeah. Exactly. No matter how hard I tried, I would always fail. Hmm. So obviously the natural result, the fleshly, you know, the, the, the sinful kind of, you know, turning inward type of reaction is I'm just going to put up a wall and that's going to be that because you're trying to shield yourself from hurt. You're trying to cope against something that you have not developed the skills to handle. Right. But I'm glad you didn't. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you stopped. <laughs> yes, exactly. So my need for approval was yeah. what drove the conflict and the wedge that I put between myself and your family. Hmm. So which leads us really well to the fourth step in setting a boundary, which is practicing the boundary skills. Right. As we are learning to create boundaries, we need to actually practice them. It's like we're kind of babies in this and we need to grow in it. So it's really difficult to say no at first, but over time it gets more natural and gets easier and you understand what you can give, what you are able to be stretched in even, what you can say yes to and what you have to say no to. Yeah. And sometimes saying no is saying no to putting up that wall to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
right? Because you've done the hard work in identifying the symptom and then the conflict and, and the need that, that underlying need that drives that conflict, but it takes time to develop new habits. It takes time to develop new boundaries. So yeah, it is. Yes. Saying no to others, saying no to yourself, saying yes, saying yes. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but learning what those boundary markers are, what that property is. Right. And it's also scary to say no. Especially if your underlying need is of approval because you always want to say yes because Mm -hmm. you feel like you gain more approval and love through saying yes versus saying no. So when we're talking about practicing boundaries, we need to actually be able to practice them in situations where we know that we will be honored and respected. When we say no, the person isn't going to lash out at us and be like, well, if you don't say yes, I'm not going to love you anymore. That's going (laughs) to shut us down pretty quickly, right? Yeah. So we need to begin with saying no to people in our supportive groups who will love and respect our boundaries. I love that. I love that. Christina, I love this, this example of, of, you know, that, that we're carrying through this entire episode of giving kids treats, mm-hmm. right? Which really comes back to that question that one of our listeners asked. Right. So in setting boundaries and practicing boundary skills, maybe, maybe telling your in-laws that giving, you know, don't give my kids treats before bedtime. I mean, obviously you wouldn't say it in that kind of voice, but, but perhaps <laughs> you say, could try. Having, yeah, perhaps <laughs> having that conversation with your in-laws is a little bit too risky, especially if you're trying to build these boundaries. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's better to start with your own parents first and, and, and trying to approach that with them and seeing how that goes and then saying, okay, I see how I've been able to create these boundaries, how that went. And then you then go to your in-laws. Exactly. So the final way that we're going to discuss before we end this podcast is step number five, and that's saying no to the bad. Mm. So in addition to practicing new skills in safe situations, Dr. Cloud also recommends avoiding hurtful situations as we're learning to set boundaries. Hmm. Hurtful situations? Mm-hmm. So we had many questions come up about in-laws that have narcissistic tendencies and only care about themselves while having no regard to anyone or anything around them. Yikes. We also heard many stories of in-laws constantly being manipulative or using the grandchildren as pawns to get what they want, no matter what collateral damage is left behind. <sighs> Brutal, right? Uh, yeah. So these are situations where we may actually need to communicate that we are distancing ourselves until we can create healthier boundaries in ourselves and also to help protect our children. Now that sounds easy. It sounds really straightforward. No, it sounds easy and it sounds straightforward. (laughs) But the fact is, if you have narcissistic parents, Mm -hmm. they are masters of manipulation. That's their be all and end all. That's what they think and breathe and live out. And and, and if they are truly narcissistic, Mm -hmm. they are so they so lack self-awareness that even when they manipulate, they don't think they're manipulating Mm -hmm. because it's just their M.O. Right. That's just what they do. So when you have this, sometimes it does actually take a slap on the face, not literally slapping them on the face. Right. But sometimes it really does take a hey, we are not going you are not going to be able to see my kids Mm -hmm. and tell. And, you know, I mean, if you're a child of a narcissistic parent, you know, 
when you need to do this and when you don't. And it right. hurts. It, it'll hurt because sometimes that might mean years without communicating. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not the end. Right. Thankfully. And and, you know, prayerfully, that's definitely not where you would want to go. I mean, this is worst case scenario. But especially if you do have a narcissistic parent. Right. I mean, it is one of those things that that can get pretty, pretty iffy and pretty touchy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in a future episode, we will be touching on how to teach our children healthy boundaries as well. But like we've mentioned before, a lot more is caught than taught. So by setting our own boundaries, we are also demonstrating to our children what it means to love and respect ourselves and what it means to love and respect others as well. Yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to an end of part one of learning to love your Mm in-laws. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully you've been able to maybe think about ways to approach your in-laws this coming week or this the next time that you meet them right but you know this doesn't end on step five thankfully (laughs) yeah because that's a pretty sucky place to end (laughs) if that's where we're that's a lot of walls not a lot of boundaries right (laughs) yeah so next week on episode 60 we're going to continue our discussion on how to establish boundaries and we're also going to share with y'all how the Enneagram has been a crucial tool in helping us continue to learn how to love our in-laws. So we hope to see you guys next week, but also if there's someone that has come to mind, maybe a friend that you've talked to that they have talked about conflict about with their in-laws to you, mm-hmm. maybe pass this episode on to them, you know, and say, Hey, listen to this. Let's talk about it together. We'd be honored if you would do that. And we will catch you guys next week. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.